Well, morning, everyone. Uh, the title of this talk, to give it a title, is um, Sangha, the Mindful Community. And uh, just if we reflect to begin with on the fact that we've just all turned up today on a Sunday and put aside a whole day just to sit together, we could have easily just sat by ourselves individually. But there's something which draws us to sitting together as a group because somehow I think that we kind of intuitively feel or understand that there's a kind of synergy of energy when we're all practicing mindfulness together and we, we touch each other and support each other. Um, we give and receive um, in this process. And it's the practice of not just Sangha as a community, but the practice of Sangha actually um, expresses the essence of, um, of, of the nature of the way things are and of Buddhist realisation. And that's the, the, uh, the experience and the fact of interbeing. It's nothing is isolated in itself, we're all connected. So for a group of people coming here today, choosing to come to practice with it in a Sangha, it's an expression of that, that acknowledgement of interbeing and it's also an acknowledgement of our own uniqueness and aloneness in the world because that's kind of the nature of what we do, isn't it? We, we don't talk to each other much, at least a little bit afterwards, but we all just sit here as kind of... Uh, as though we're not, we're not socialising or connecting in any kind of way. We're in our own individual mind space, you know, focusing on as the best as we can in the present moment. And yet there's this sense of something larger than ourselves that we're connected with at the same time. Um, in giving this talk, I'm drawing um, fairly deeply on the words um, of Thich Nhat Hanh, who, as you know, is a... Um, a Vietnamese Zen Buddhist teacher and he, if you look through his writings you will see how much he values the importance of Sangha in practice. But to, to go back a little earlier than Thich Nhat Hanh, in fact 2,500 years ago, if you, if you consider the, the nature of the Buddhist teachings and how important Sangha was back then, the Buddha grew up in a culture where, um, uh, in, in that kind of Indian culture, where a lot of people practice spirituality in the tradition of being a hermit and going off by themselves. And that has its own value too. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not against it. Um, <clears throat> but the Buddha, in that culture of his time where the hermit was kind of um, put on a pedestal, was someone in his own radical kind of ways in many of his teachings, emphasised the importance of Sangha, you know, the value of actually practising together in a community together. And there is a word which I haven't come across before, um, which emphasise, which is called um, uh, Bada Karata, which translates as the best kind of, of delight in singleness 
and the Bhattacharata that the Buddha was referring to is not necessarily the hermit, but the person who can be a Bhattacharata, who can um, practice with and, and cultivate the best kind of delight in singleness within a community. Within a community, you know, not, not as an isolated person. So, as you've heard me talk about in many talks, Zen talks before, you know, that, that Zen practice is about recognizing our aloneness in the world and our uniqueness in the world, but that's not in opposition to um, the fact that we, we experience life as interbeing and the nature of life as interbeing. These are not mutually exclusive things, they're actually things which um, uphold one another and nourish one another. And it's out of a community of people being able to um, be present within their own aloneness um, is not leading to isolation, it's actually leading to a sense of, and cultivating a sense of intimacy. And we should always remind ourselves in practice that the practice we're doing of mindfulness, the spirit of it is is to um, to, to touch deep intimacy with all of life with the interconnectedness of all things so there is a sangha of there is a community of human beings here today who are practicing together but in the, in the broader and the truer sense of community the, the cushions are the sangha as well mm-hmm. the buildings, the areas, the flowers mm-hmm. the sky is the sangha as well let me read you some of the things that Thich Nhat Hanh has said about Sangha. So a good definition. A Sangha is a community of people who agree with one another that if we do not practice right mindfulness, we will lose all the beautiful things in our soul and around us. People in the Sangha standing near us, practicing with us, support us so that we aren't pulled away from the present moment. And he goes on to say, in emphasising the importance of it, interpersonal relationships are the key to success in practice. Without an intimate, deep relationship with at least one person, transformation is unlikely. And he also says that a Sangha was also a community of resistance. Resistance in the sense of resisting the speed, violence and the unwholesome ways of living that are prevalent in our culture or in society. (laughs) Um, That's coming from the words of a of a Vietnamese teacher who is um, steeped in Asian tradition and in Asian tradition generally speaking there's a there's a lot of value placed on family and on community and I've, I've never been to Southeast Asia I've been to to Japan which is an Asian culture and um, and when you go there you find quite a quite a cultural difference, it's actually palpable in an everyday sense of how much Japanese people just very naturally fall into doing things 
as a group um, and, and harmonising as a group together. Um, whereas in contrast, growing up in Australia and having visited other Western countries, you become very aware of how individualistically focused we are and the importance of, of maintaining our individuality. And one of the, one of the, um, one of the changes that is happening in Western culture, which is written a lot about these days, individualism has a lot of great things going for it, like with the emphasis in Western culture on the, the, the human rights of the individual. Right? But its unwholesome aspects are, as that a lot of people are commenting on, is that it's leading individualism is leading to a very narcissistic style and a much more people are much more isolated from one another in communities. And if Zen, if if the Dharma is to be successful, you know, in Western countries, um, if it takes on this isolated narcissistic style, you know, we would we just meditate on our own because it's good for our depression or anxiety, or it gives us a, some sort of, some sense of clarity without it being embedded in a sense of that the whole point of practicing mindfulness is to realize interbeing, to realize egolessness, to experience a joyful, deep intimacy with all of life. If we, if we, don't, get, if we don't bring that aspect along with us, it'll, it could even, um, meditation could even... Um, uh, consolidate or accentuate our sense of isolation in the world. Now let's not forget that, you know, that when we, when we sit together um, that we're, we're actually supporting each other to be present and we're also receiving that support at the same time. The thing to remember too, as I was talking about the other night too in another context, as human beings are mammals, remember we're mammals, we're not reptiles, we're mammals. And mammals are warm-blooded creatures who, who have a sense of community. So we have packs of wolves, we have pods of whales, mm -hmm. prides of lions, and we have families of human beings or tribes. Do we, we, we have a sense of our, our, our um, dependence on one another to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's just as much as true in, in Dharma practice as it is in just in terms of um, practical living as well. So coming back to my theme of aloneness and togetherness and intimacy, um, these are not incompatible things at all. And one of the things I remember reading years ago from a Zen teacher, which really stuck in my mind and which I worked at practicing with on an on everyday level, he said when, it's, it, it's not just him who said it, it's a general, general Zen statement about practice, is when you're alone, act as though you're in public. And when you're in public, act as though you're alone. So when you are alone and you act as if though you're in public, then you tend to, to challenge you about not just sort of being in a private, self-indulgent kind of way of being when you're not with other people. And when you practice 
acting as though you're alone when you're in public, then you don't become part of a herd mentality. So you get this consistency of character which is there across the private and the public domain. Mm -hmm. Rather, there's just one person who's there in the private domain and this one in the public domain, so they're two different people. So it develops this consistency of being, you know, across our experience. And consistency of mindfulness and intimacy across our experience. Um, sometimes I think these talks unconsciously come out of my own experience of what might be happening in my life at the moment. And um, as some of you know, I'm in the midst of moving house. I've lived in North Sydney for 14 years and now I'm moving to Lane Cove and just sort of moving in. And um, I think when you, when you move from one neighbourhood to another, um, you become conscious of the people that you're leaving behind who've been part of that neighbourhood and the one you're going to. And there's a sense of, of loss. You know, there's some people you know well, there's some people you've, you've fought with side by side around environmental campaigns. There's the shopkeeper you just say hello to and the person you smile to down the street. But they're all part of your sangha. And, and there's a kind of missing of them. You know, when you go, even though you've known some people well and not known some people well. Um, and when you go into a new community and into a new neighbourhood, you become very aware of, of, is it friendly or not? You know, is it, is it welcoming or not? Now, by and large, my experience so far is that it's been very welcoming. Um, but you've, you've become very, when you're new in a neighbourhood, you become very sensitive to whether people are welcoming to you or you, they, they're, they're indifferent to you or they're hostile toward you. And, um, but so far, sounds like a pretty friendly community. But it's interesting, you walk, along, you walk along a bush track and you meet people coming the other way and, uh, and most people will smile at you and exchange a smile and a, and a greeting. And then sometimes you walk along a track and, and you smile at someone and make eye contact. And they go, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Get, you get a sense of, of, of openness, you know, or, or closeness. And um, I would encourage all of us to be one of those people who, when you go along a bush track, be open, you know, look in someone's eyes, be open. This, this is the expression of interbeing, the, the expression of greeting the stranger, you know, and um, not being a stranger. In big cities, I remember when I, I visited London last time, I made a practice of just walking down the streets of London to see how many people when I walked past would actually exchange my look in the eye, not even a smile. And in a whole day, one person did. One person. Right? That's how isolating, you know, cities, you know, can become, you know, with people so impersonal to each other. And yet, you go up to an individual person and you ask them how do you get from here to there and you'll often find that once you break through that barrier um, 
you get this delightful person who's only too willing to help you, you know, and is so, so incredibly friendly. But it's like the experience of big cities in Western culture now. It's like this is this veneer of isolation and um, non-connectedness. But you make the, the effort to just break through the barrier a little bit and you find this richness of people wanting to connect with you in some kind of way. So it, in taking, this is a sangha of today, you know, a sangha today of people who um, are committed to um, uh, right mindfulness in the present moment and committed to recognising the, the depth of intimacy that there is in life. And it's important um, what, we, what we take out of this little community here into the everyday world um, when we leave here today, that, that we, we do it in the spirit of not just being mindful in our own um, isolated way, um, but being mindful in an open way, you know, which, which recognises and practices with the Sangha at large. Mm -hmm. Finally, you know, as a as a more kind of poetic statement to to finish on, is that a person practicing in a sangha is like a drop of water in a river. You know, we're not, we're not separate from that river. There's the individual drops, but we make up the river and we merge with the river, and um, that is the spirit of practice: to be a drop of water in a river. Thank you.